0: Hello. You're on the Zach Moonshine Show, man.
1: Hey, this is Brad Fry and Randy Martinez. What's up, brother? What's going on? Zach, can you hear us?
0: Yeah, dude, what's going on, man?
1: Hey man, we're um we're hanging out in downtown Albuquerque right now. We're in an old building called the Sunshine Theater. Sleep's gonna play here on Sunday.
0: Sleep. Fuck yeah, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, yeah, man. That's bad. Hell yeah. So what's going on in the world of Red Mesa, man? What what's 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 new with you guys? What are you doing?
1: Yeah, man, thanks for asking. We um we just put out our second full length album called The Devil in the Desert. And um we are about to get real busy this year, man.
0: Hell yeah. Dude, fucking new record fucking kicks fucking ass, man. Like we just been sitting here listening to some songs from it and just fucking everybody's listening, dude. They're fucking going nuts, dude. They're fucking loving it, man. Hey,
1: man, that's great to hear. Yeah, it's kind of uh it's a concept album that I wrote that um at first side is acoustic electric and the second side is like real heavy. Um so I don't know how far along you got, but uh you know Um, it's, uh, it's about, you know, a character who is facing its own demons and, um, is calling the devil out and realizes at the end of the whole thing that really the devil is a manifest manifestation of your own person, you know?
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. We, we got about halfway through it, man. We're going to finish the other half after the interview. I'm sorry, you broke up there, bud. I was saying we got about halfway through the album, and we're gonna finish the other half after the interview.
1: Oh, cool. Well, that'll be for that'll be the real heavy side, man.
0: Right on, dude. So, so how long have you guys been doing this, and exactly how did Red Mesa get started?
1: Yeah. Uh, so Red Mesa in its current state is is me, Randy Martinez on bass, and Roman Barham on drums. And these guys just joined me after I recorded this record. And they're uh, some old school local musicians here in Albuquerque. And uh, we've been playing some live shows. And it's fucking ripping, dude. We're really pumped up. It's, it's really exciting. Um, but I started this band in uh, 2013 here in, in Albuquerque. And uh, started out jamming in a boxcar. Literally in a boxcar. Uh, and uh, recorded the first record in 2014. In 2015, we had put out a video for Low and Slow, and uh, Ripple Music contacted me, Todd, out of uh, San Ramon, California, Yeah. and put put us on a split for um, the second coming of Heavy, Volume 4, split with loose Snaggletooth. That came out in 2016, and in the meantime... Uh, things had kind of really slowed down With me and the original rhythm section And I had moved up to Seattle for a year But I started writing this record And we we kind of parted ways amicably Like I'm still great friends with those guys And they're good dudes They're just doing other stuff for family and whatnot. And I started writing this record And uh, finished recording it in January And now these guys are on board And um, we're real excited man
0: Hell yeah dude so you guys are a New Mexican band, New Mexico, <laughs> New Mexican.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool, dude. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're uh, we're we're slowly building a scene here. Um, Roman, our drummer, is uh, is uh, a really big part of that, and um, we're, I'm really happy to have him on board because uh, he's he's responsible for getting a lot of killer bands in town here, man. And we're trying to build a scene here in Albuquerque. And uh, I think I think something's going to happen, man. We're going to start taking off. There's a lot of momentum. A lot of momentum starting to happen now with the, the underage shows and the overage shows. Actually, the dream scene starting to come back around. So, so I, it's, good, it's good to see
0: it. Yeah, I can see it, man. I can see it happening because you guys have really good fucking songs. Like, this record is great, man. Like, it's... Uh, I mean, like I was telling people earlier at the beginning of the show when I started playing these songs, man, I was like, you know, when I go through my email list, I get fucking shit sent from everybody, you know? There's, there's all kinds of shit in there, but there's a lot of shit, dude, and fucking sometimes I'm just like, what the fuck, man, come on. But you guys, man, like, I, I clicked play on that shit and just listened to it for just like a few seconds and literally, literally that's all it took, man. I was like, holy fuck, man. This is fucking good, dude. Yeah.
1: Hey, we, we appreciate that, brother. Um, so I, if you don't mind, I want to announce some exciting news right here on your show, Zach.
0: Yeah, dude, tell us.
1: So uh, last week, Randy Roman and I just recorded uh, a cover song by Pink Floyd, that song, "Breeze," that is the third track on Dark Side of the Moon.
0: Oh, shit.
1: And we made it heavy as fuck. And it is going to come out on Magnetic Eyes' uh, Best of Pink Floyd compilation that they're putting out, and uh, we can talk about it now. And we're pretty pumped. I think it's going to help us um, get into the ear holes of a lot of people, you know. Um, but it's a good. It's going to be a good indication of where we're headed, man. Nice and heavy, and uh, um, we did some cool stuff on that. That is uh, evolution from this new record.
0: That's badass, dude. I can't wait to hear that shit, man. I love Pink Floyd. Yeah,
1: yeah, us too, dude. We love Pink Floyd. Because they're, like, deceptively heavy,
0: right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that we were working on, too, is that uh, there was... Uh, this being like a tribute album, there was a lot of heavy hitters that are contributing towards this tribute album. And so uh, one of the things that we really wanted to do was we really wanted to stick out um, so knowing that there was going to be some big names on this record, we went into the studio knowing that we wanted to be heavy. Um, and kind of really give a real accurate barometer for what the new lineup is going to be. Um, and so just from like a rhythm section standpoint, like me and Roman really went into it. Um, just trying to fill it out as much as we possibly could. And they really kind of like, um, basically just kind of fuck that whole song up because it's super kind of straightforward and a little bit of an easier listening side. Um, but having bands like the Melvins and
0: stuff on that record, we were like, we really wanted to stick out,
1: so we wanted to make it as heavy as possible. Fuck yeah, man.
0: Now, name, the band name Red Mesa, how'd you guys come up with that shit?
1: Uh, for me, um, when, when, when I came up with well, I didn't come up with it personally. It was a combination of a bunch of uh, band names that were thrown around back in 2013 with, like, the original members of one of my friends here in town. But the whole point was, like, trying to represent, like, New Mexico, you know? Have you ever been down
0: here, man? Yeah, yeah. I used to yeah, live in Arizona, so I've been through uh, New Mexico a few times, man.
1: But yeah, so, you know, there's, like, a lot of big red rocks and red mesas. Oh, yeah. And I wanted, and I, it was pretty literal. I wanted to represent, like, desert rock in a very literal sense.
0: Nice. Yeah, man, it's beautiful out there, dude.
1: It is gorgeous, man. I'm very inspired. I grew up in the state of Maine on the ocean. So, this is like 180 degrees of difference to the United States.
0: So, uh, so tell us, man, what, what was the recording like for this record, dude? Because it sounds like you guys were in like a top fucking dollar fucking major studio or some shit. I mean, uh, what was it like, man? How, how'd you guys make a record sound like this?
1: Um, I'm going to put in a plug for Empty House Studio. Empty House Studio is a studio here in Albuquerque that is run by a gentleman named Matthew Tobias. And he is quickly becoming the go-to studio here in Albuquerque. Uh, phenomenal equipment. He is a drummer. He's a professional drummer, um, and a professional engineer. And, um... He has Loved doing heavy projects Now um, He has been working with uh, Shit I can't say actually But, um, <laughs> but it'll come out it'll, it'll come out soon Let me just say that No I can't say that uh, Anyways <laughs> um, Big band It's fucking rad uh, But he's, uh, he's um, working with a lot of local musicians here in town And um trying to contribute to the really really cool heavy side of Albuquerque so NTL Studios Max Tobias um, he uh, he's an absolutely wonderful guy to work with because he's also takes the hat of a producer so he's really good at saying no do that again do that again man that fucking <laughs> sucks do it again and that's refreshing you know instead of someone like oh yeah that was good that was good and someone can be honest with you and say no you can do better than that you know, and I think that, uh, honestly, too, I think that he's a fan of, like, pretty heavy music and has some some good buddies that play heavy music professionally and stuff. So um, I, I think that that really shines through. Like, when, if we have any sort of idea or if he has any sort of idea about something to make something heavier, um, you know, he'll, he'll literally give us the keys to the candy store and just we'll, all of a sudden we'll be digging through boxes of shit and just playing with everything um, as far as, like, you know, any, any tools that he has at his disposal to try to make a, um, you know, to benefit the record and to try to make it sound heavier, um, you know, and so I think that, like, the fact that he likes and digs heavy music, uh, it comes through on the record, you know, he's not just kind of phoning it in, like, he really wants to make sure that he's putting out some solid shit as far as, um, you know, when we're recording heavy music.
0: That's, that's really cool, too, you know, and about the producer thing, man, it makes me think, like, the, there's a lot of bands nowadays that, you know, in the, in, the, in the underground that are doing it independent and recording at home and stuff like that, and they're doing it themselves, and uh, I think that it definitely helps, it definitely helps whenever you've got, whenever you go take the time to get a producer to come in and fucking do like what you guys were saying, you know, have somebody else that's in there, a third party that's able to tell you, you know, like, that. do that part again, or don't do this part, or, you know, add a little bit more of this, and stuff like that, because it it really does, it brings out a different, uh, I don't know, I I think some bands are kind of missing on that whenever they they don't go that route, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know
1: exactly what you're saying, man. Like, we definitely live in a different era where literally a dude can show up with a mixer and a couple of mics and throw together a record for you in the basement, Um, But, you know, when you actually have somebody that gives a shit about, like, the acoustics of a room and will, like, you know, tear apart parts of walls and shit or put up carpet and stuff to try to make something sound better um, or different and just be, like, a third party, uh, you know, unbiased, uh, you know, third party and tell you, you know, something is awesome or something fucking sucks or, um, you know, like, he'll fly out tell us when we're looking at parts, we'll be nitpicking our own stuff. And he'll be like, man, you know, that doesn't really bum me out, even if you guys, you know, didn't hit this thing exactly right or, you know, we're not doing it, you know, uh, the way that we planned it or scheduled it or whatever. But, um, you know, just coming in and being, like, a second set of years, that could really give a shit, you know, like, uh, that wants us to succeed and not just, like, trying to get his, you know, 100 bucks or whatever and get the hell out of there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Because, I mean, it's cool that everybody can do it now, pretty much on their own but at the same time we don't want to lose the fucking that traditional thing of just having having that extra that extra person there to do that man because it, it definitely does help
1: well you nailed that on the head Zach um, uh, the whole point is you know this generation of musicians that's in the underground like ourselves we're trying to contribute to a next generation of rock and roll so we understand we're where the roots come from, you know, man. Yeah. And uh, we're we're playing quality equipment, um, you know, and amplifiers and cool guitars and good drum sets, and um, we spend a lot of money on that kind of stuff. And it's a it's hard balance of trying to balance work and life, families, um, and the music as well. But we we love um, we love that tradition of rock and roll. And so um, that's the fun thing with, uh, like, recording on the Devil in the Desert is that I use a lot of, like, cool equipment, but also we weren't afraid of playing some weird shit. Uh, for example, I bought a rotating speaker that a hippie made up in this uh, town called Madrid in New Mexico that is like an old rotating Leslie speaker that they used to use for organs and then yeah. David Gilmore from St. Floyd use that for that crazy like whirling sound that he runs delays through and so i bought one of these off this old hippie dude up there and we fucked it up and it's all over sacred detura um on the record and so when it comes in it's a big warble to try to create like a psychedelic experience
0: badass that's badass dude yeah
1: man and even just like our producer standpoint, you know, um, there was a couple of times when we were recording and stuff and he'd be like, you know, it, even when we were fucking way off, he's like, come in here and just let me show you what we got. And, um, you know, literally just the difference between, um, you know, running the signal straight into the computer and using Pro Tools and chopping it all up and shit versus like putting the microphone on a cabinet and capturing it, removing air. Uh, you know, he says, you know, like, and it's obvious, but that's, it's a night and day difference. So General, like we were to kind of come full circle with, it. there's a lot of people that can come into a room or a basement or whatever show up at your house and, uh, you know, and record some direct lines and stuff like that and help you put together an album. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you get together with somebody that understands that there's a difference between just capturing a signal versus, like, uh, the nuances of, like, a, the sound of a speaker that moves air and stuff, um, it's a huge difference. And, and just having a couple of microphones and, like, Going and listening to some of our rough playthroughs and having to be insanely heavy and not having somebody constantly tell you, you know, oh, oh, it's it like shit right now. But uh, you know, when we're gonna we're gonna double the lines up and we'll do some distortion tracks and stuff. Like we weren't waiting on it for, for post production for it to sound awesome. Hell yeah. Like we did one pass, we fucked it all up, and it sounded amazing even though we were not doing great at
0: it. <laughs> definitely, dude. And and from the listener standpoint we can totally hear the difference whether we know it or not like why it's different we can hear the difference man
1: right on man yeah yeah i mean they you know when you're playing um in the studio two vamps that are cranked to nuclear fucking volume levels like live you know <laughs> and um and put that in an isolation booth and um close the door and um let that amp do, its, do the work and push a lot of air. So you want to capture that like heavy air feeling, you know, uh, moving on the record, not like plugging into something that's, you know, this loud, like we're talking, but you have a bunch of distortion on it. That just sounds like shit. And it's good to have someone that knows that that's what you want, whether you know that's what you want or not. You know, I've, I've been in recording scenarios where they're like, yeah, man, just uh, here's how you punch it in and out of Pro Tools. And we just run a direct line in and call it a day. Um, you know, but when you really have someone that's like, dude, let's not cut any corners. This is how we're going to make it sound heavy. And it takes very little EQ and very little post-production to fucking sound amazing. Um, it's, it's awesome having somebody in your corner that has your best interest at mind when you're trying to get heavy because at the end of the day, it's got his name on it, too. You know what I mean? So. Hell yeah. What? Hey, Zach, I know we're kind of geeking out on recording stuff, but I wanted to let you know that we baked you a whole bunch of brownies. <laughs> um, some special, some special brownies, but um, we we don't know how to send them to your phone, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. I got some I got some questions for you guys from the chat room, man. Uh, let's see here. Thunderous wants to know: Are you guys playing out local or doing any tours?
1: Uh, it's a great question. Um, right now we're in New Mexico. We're going up to Taos tomorrow night to play and then um, our goal is to set up a tour to promote the record and uh, to showcase a new band. Um, I'd really like to get on the road in late October, November and uh, do like a West Coast tour. At the same time, we're open to uh, doing some Weekend Warrior stuff over to Texas, over to Arizona, up to Colorado. Um, so we're going to work hard to get on the road because Red Mesa's never toured before. Being in New Mexico is a little, a little tricky getting out of the state, uh, but that's no excuse. we got we got to hit the road, man. That's the goal.
0: Another question from the chat room. Uh, Vicky Grandy wants to know, are you guys playing in Canada?
1: <laughs> oh, man, I would love to play in Canada. I grew up like right on the border of Canada, and my dad was actually born in Canada in the 50s and then was became a um, United States uh, resident in, uh, when he was 18, because the town that he grew up in in Maine, uh, there was no hospital, so everyone was born in Canada, um, so, dude, I, I'm fucking way in, man, I would love to play Canada, um, I just drive across the top, uh, what is it, Route 1, I think, up there, and just get all the cities, man, I, it's a beautiful, beautiful country.
0: Oh, yeah, she also wants to know, do you guys like cheesecake? fuck yeah! <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, some fucking weed in, the, in that shit too, man. <laughs> I already know, dude. Exactly. So, uh, uh, another another geek question for you from Necrotian. He wants to know, what kind of guitars and amps are you guys using? Okay. ahead,
1: really? Uh As far as guitars right now, for bass, I'm kind of treat myself a little bit. Um, I'm using a, uh, a 2014 Rickenbacker that's a walnut in a flat finish. Um, they were just, con- or they were doing a limited run for a while, but now they brought him back. Uh, it's fucking amazing. Um, I'm using Ampaint gear right now. Um, I do have some classic shit. I do have an Acoustic 360, um, but, but obviously being from the 70s and shit, it does break down from time to time. So, I mean, I figured if it was good enough for Les Zeppelin it was good enough for me. Um, I do have some gear coming actually on Monday. There's a, I got a seventies, uh, like a late seventies SVT head coming. That needs a little bit of love, but we're going to put it in the rotation. So that's the goal for me is, uh, uh, Ampeg 410 HLS, a pair of them and a, uh, and a seventies SVT black line and a Rick base. And then for guitar. Yeah. So, um, I run, uh, I've been playing the Gibson SG for years. Um, that's a great guitar for me. Uh, it it fits my body well. I'm not a big dude, and um, it's got a lot of a lot of, <laughs> a lot of it's my body. Uh, it's got a lot of bite to it, and I love that. And I love um, obviously, you know Tony Iommi uh, from Black Sabbath, but I also love the Doors, and I love Robbie Krieger's guitar, which is underrated in the Doors and all the slide work that he does on it. So. Um, uh, yeah, but um, so I play Gibson SG and then my second guitar. So that one's tuned to, to C, C standard, and then the second guitar that I play on records and live is tuned to E flat, and that is a 1975 Aria um, ES 335 Gibson lawsuit copy made in Japan. They got in trouble for copying the hollow bodies by Gibson, and they, they had to stop it. And I got one off eBay like a few years ago. And the thing's a fucking beast. It's amazing. Didn't uh, Cliff, I run... I'm sorry, sorry. Ahead, didn't, I'm... didn't Cliff Burton
0: play an Aria?
1: Yeah, he did, man. I believe that he did. Um, the Japanese-made Arias are super underrated. Then um, they're affordable online. And they're built just, in my opinion, as quality as Gibson's from the 70s. Because so them Asians got tiny hands. <laughs> and get in there, solder all the joints and whatnot. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Um, I uh, I run it through. Um, uh, right now I'm playing a, a original Buddha, uh, the Buddha combo twin master that I run through four twelve cabinets. I I don't know why, but I'm a big fan of running like small combos through a lot, like through uh, speaker cabinets, and I also run. Um, up in Seattle right now that I've kind of semi-retired that I played on the first two records. Um, Ampeg BT-22. For you geeks out there, you guys know what I'm talking about. Super loud two vents that um, you turn to two and you're peeling paint off the fucking walls. It's so loud. Um, And uh, I run that through my... uh, uh, I have a Bogner 412 that has got a whole bunch of different custom speakers in it and um, creates a nice sound. So... um, yeah, that's my
0: name, Gear Man. Oh yeah. Another question from the chat. Vicky Grandi also wants to know where was the most, where was your most favorite place that you played?
1: Uh, well, I guess I mean, realistically, the scene in, uh, in New Mexico is pretty. Um, it's pretty, pretty tightly compact. There's literally about five serious venues that tend to habitually have music and stuff. Um, so honestly, you know, if we can if we can end up in like the top five any venues here in New Mexico, it's usually a great time. Most of the time, it's the bands that we end up getting to play with, um, which are super awesome. Roman's got some pretty killer stories as far as from bands you can play with. Uh with. Venues played, uh, I played the Golden Bull. That, that was one of my favorites in Oakland. My friend Pat owns that one, and Sunny did the sound for us. Sunny from Saviors, mm-hmm. Necrot. How that was because those guys were both there and they both have roots here in New Mexico. But uh, is awesome, too. But um, definitely venues, not I'm sure lost that. I'm not Oh yeah, we, we love playing in uh, This is good, too, though. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I played um, uh, a weird experience I had, Zach, was I played in the Central Saloon in Seattle. Um, and, and uh, Rick Parnell played drums, the drummer from Spinal Tap. Nice. And that guy is a fucking monster on drums, dude. And uh, that was a pretty special show, cause that's a very, very old, um, it's one of the old saloons in Seattle, um, right on the waterfront downtown. That's a cool place, man. But yeah, Albuquerque got some killer venues.
0: That's cool. I was just about to ask you another question from Thunder. She wanted to know any fun stuff happened while playing live, like something that's memorable. But uh, I don't know. Is that is that, uh, is that your story right there, or you got another one?
1: Oh, yeah. I've been drunk plenty of times and fell off the stage before. That shit fucking sucks. But <laughs> I wouldn't say fun, but definitely memorable.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, dude.
1: Right yeah, I on. remember. Um, I'm sorry. Go
0: ahead. No, go ahead, man.
1: I, uh, I remember um, I was the first time I was playing uh, that Aria 335 hollow body. I didn't have any strap locks on it. And for, for people who don't know what strap locks are, they're these, these things that keep your guitar strap on your guitar so it doesn't fall off while you're uh-huh. moving around on stage. Like, you, you don't need strap locks at home. And I, and I don't on, like, a, you know, like on guitars that I play at home or whatever. Um, but I'll stage you after because if not, then um, it, well, what happened was I had the band like you are like, dude, you need to get strap locks. and I was like, nah, it's fine. I'm just, we'll we'll play the play it, and I, <laughs> I stepped stepped I stepped out in front for this like heavy part. It was just myself on guitar, and then the band would come in and join me on it. And I stepped out and I start chugging on this riff. And the fucking uh, the the strap falls off, the guitar oh. falls onto the ground, and I'm standing and I'm standing here in front of everybody looking like I'm a fucking asshole. So, um, my <laughs> tip for guitarists and bass players: get strap locks. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> strap locks are definitely necessary, man. Yeah. For all you kids out there listening right now, get strap
1: locks. <laughs> Not a strap on Strap
0: rocks <laughs> totally So uh, so the album art, man You gotta tell me about it, dude The fucking album art is fucking killer, dude How, How'd you guys come up with that shit?
1: Oh my god, I'm glad you asked me that, brother um, uh, That is uh, a gentleman He's an artist named Joe Volan And that's V-O-L-L-A-N Joe Volan, he is out of Buffalo, New York He's a painter, and he does doom folk art. And he is absolutely, 100%, totally creative and original and talented in his field. And the album cover for The Devil in the Desert, the new Red Mesa record, was painted by Joe Wallen, and I talked with him about this concept, but I let him do his thing, man. So there is, on the album cover, if you haven't seen it, those listening... Is a, uh, is a devil character with a. That is, the basis of it is a dressed up character of a skull with a devil mask on in a desert background with an undead raven on a cactus, and there's a sun and the moon to represent a lot of the lyrics that are in the album. And I uh, wanted to create like a feeling of the devil in the desert in an absolute literal sense um, that the devil is standing somewhere on a de- and on desert landscape. Um, and I told Joe that and sent him some pictures of stuff, but I knew that he would do his own thing because his whole thing is putting different masks on skeletons. So he'll take, if you just think of a bunch of skeletons but think of different different animal masks, that's what he does. So if you go to uh, www.joeholenart.com that's what he does. Um, uh, it's doing folk art in like post-apocalyptic uh, settings, and he's absolutely phenomenal, man. And it was great to work with that guy. Uh, and he did the back album cover as well, which um, would make a sick tattoo. Uh, it's it's an undead raven on top of a cactus, and um, uh, yeah, the guy is a beast.
0: Badass. Speaking of uh, web links, where can people go right now to pick up a copy of this new record?
1: Uh, We would really appreciate it if everybody went to Bandcamp, which is um, Red Mesa Rock at Bandcamp. Right now, we've got the digital album on Bandcamp under Red Mesa. There's t-shirts for sale. There's two test pressings left of the vinyl, and the vinyl should be here in two weeks. And there's going to be about 200 of them. That's going to be in Translucent Blood Red. Uh, So that's going to be a really cool vinyl. Uh, It's going to have all the lyrics and all the artwork in it. Uh, So the vinyl is going to be $20. The digital download is $7. And that's on Bandcamp. For those of you that don't go on Bandcamp and have to have it on something else, um, it's on all the other channels, so... Right now, we're live on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, uh, and all the other shit that I don't know about. But it's, it's on there.
0: Right on, dude. I am totally going to go there and buy that shit on fucking vinyl, dude.
1: Thank you, brother, man. I appreciate that. Fuck yeah.
0: Well, I'm about out of question for you guys, man. Is there anything else you want to let the people know?
1: Uh, just um, I just want to let people know that... Uh, there's a lot going on here in New Mexico, and for band-territorians, please stop in the New Mexico. They seem to skip over from Arizona to Texas. And um, please listen to our music. We've got everything on Bandcamp and on iTunes and on Spotify and all that. Uh, support, support underground musicians, because um, we're doing it ourselves. Um, and uh, please check out our new record, The Devil in the Desert, Red Mesa.
0: Fuck yeah. Well, before I let you guys go, I gotta get you to make us a station tag, all right? Come cool, on. All right. Whenever you're ready, say something like, "This is Red Mesa, and you're listening to Metal Devastation Radio."
1: Right. This is Red Mesa, and you're listening to Metal
0: Devastation Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. All right, man. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time, guys. And uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to blast the fucking other half of this record and make these motherfuckers go crazy, all right? Hell,
1: yeah. Thank you, Zach Moonshine. Love you, man.
0: All right, man. You guys have a good night and cheers. All right. Cheers. We'll talk to you later. There, There you have it, folks. Fucking Red Mesa live on the fucking Zach Moonshine show with Metal Devastation fucking radio. Coming up next, here's the other half of this fucking record, dude. And uh, like they said, it's it's about to get fucking heavy. So I want you motherfuckers to put your speakers in your fucking windows. Put them in your fucking wherever the fuck you can and crank these stereos up, dude. All the way the fuck up, dude. Past 11, man. All the fucking way up, dude. Check this shit out, man. Fucking Red Mesa live on the Zach Moonshine Show.